What's up, y'all? This is Chitty Bang, and I'm on the Renegade Millionaire Show, the podcast that profiles entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs. Join us as we go one-on-one inside the hearts and minds of some of our generation's best and brightest. And now, introducing your host, my friend, Sun Group Wealth Partners Managing Director, CNBC and Forbes.com contributor, Winnie Sun. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I hope that you just had a great week. I'm excited to reconnect with you. It is just beautiful, sunny, steamy day here in Venice Beach at TuneIn Studios. It's Winnie Sun, your host again for the Renegade Millionaire Show. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate you doing so. As you know, I'm Managing Director, Financial Advisor at Sun Group Wealth Partners. So if you ever have any questions pertaining to your own accounts or money tips and all that good stuff, feel free to send me an email or reach out to me. I'm really active on Twitter, so easy ways to reach out. Also, I just posted some fun pieces on Forbes, and I don't know if you know, but I'm doing a whole series on chefs because that's my secret viewing pleasure. I love to watch that TV show, uh, Top Chef. Did you know there are over 2 million chefs and cooks in the United States alone? That sure is a lot of people cooking for us. In fact, women make up 30% of cooks here. But interesting enough, they only make up about 18% of chefs and head cooks in restaurants. And that number's come down a little bit, unfortunately. In 2010, that number was at 19%. In 2006, that number was as high as almost 24%. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But I thought what's interesting, too, is on that top cooking show, Top Chef, on Bravo Networks, there have been three female winners of Top Chef compared to nine male winners. Food for thought. I am so excited to introduce you to my new guest today. Our guest is Gail Simmons. Welcome, Gail, to the show. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Thank you for being on. Yes, thank you. Well, I know many people probably tell you this all the time, and I know when when you first called in right now from I know you're you're in New York right now, correct? I am. Yeah, and I said, you know, Gail, I feel like I already know you. And I know other people, when they first meet you, must say the same thing because we've had the pleasure of watching you now for so many seasons on the number one um, cooking show, which is Top Chef on Bravo Networks. So thank you so much for joining us. We we have so many questions for you. That's great. I mean, yeah, people do think they know us. That's the the pitfalls and the positives of being on reality television is that I play myself, <laughs> uh, which is great because uh, it, is a, it is really me out there not acting. Uh, on the other hand, when people scream your name in the middle of the street, you aren't sure if you actually know them or they just <laughs> They think they know you. Sometimes it gets a little bit scary. Right. Yeah, and it can be a little crazy. I mean, I, I was thinking to myself, reading your bio, I thought, well, you're in New York where people are just extremely friendly in general. I actually um, mm-hmm. also appear on CNBC Closing Bell, so I do go to New York about once a quarter. And like you, I have young children. I'm thinking, how does Gail get around town? Because I would get a little frantic when I'm with my little one and someone calls out my name. <laughs> well, I mean, the good news is my daughter is a born and bred New Yorker, so she's used to the franticness. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, we lived in Brooklyn. We moved to Brooklyn about 10 days before I had my daughter, mm-hmm. uh, purposely so that 
it would be a little less frantic for her. And we live in a really beautiful, quiet neighborhood Aww. on a tree-lined street with lots of parks. And she's in Brooklyn most of the time. I mean, she's only 18 months old. So um, <laughs> we travel with her, and she goes into the city lots. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's not that hectic if you're just organized and you have a plan. And sometimes we're navigating the city streets, and it's super busy. But... She loves the she loves the chaos. She she thinks it's hilarious. She's a very social little girl. Oh, that's really good. And she probably is quite the little foodie too, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's a great eater. <laughs> so what's uh, if? Well, I, I have an eighteen month old as well, and I, of course you're not talking. Uh, well, they're talking, but they're talking their only baby language. But if 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 she was able to speak, what would she say that mommy cooks best? Well, that's a good question. There's a lot of food that she's really into right now, and she does say a lot of food. In fact, most of her words are mm-hmm. food-related because <laughs> that's what she wants, and she's very specific about it. Um, I mean, she loves... It's funny that she doesn't... She eats a lot of soups and stews, mm-hmm. so she might say that. She says soup a lot. She oh. wants soup, which kind of means a lot of things. It can mean oatmeal. It can mean... Um, the callaloo soup that um, her nanny makes her that we all love, that sort of coconut milk and sweet potato and Ooh, butternut yummy. squash and okra and and uh, lots of callaloo, which is a green. Um, it could also mean my lentil soup that I make her in the winter time or vegetable soup. So she kind of loves all of that stuff. She also really loves fruit. So right now she's on this huge summer fruit kick. <laughs> and she demands food at all, at all hours. Berries, which she calls boo boos, um, are her favorite treats. So she's constantly screaming for boo boos. And also peaches. She recently so did, she recently discovered peaches, and um, so she she's big into the peaches. And she'll ask for them: peaches, peaches, peaches. <laughs> um, so that's her favorite. Right now, I mean, I also do a lot of roasted vegetables for her, and oh, wow. um, I make things like, I mean, roasted vegetables are kind of a staple. There's always just roasted vegetables in the fridge for mm-hmm. her to eat: zucchini and roasted sweet potato, roasted beet. Oh, she wow! She actually loves beet. Um, That's incredible for a funny. little one. I know she thinks beets are really sweet, which I get. They're earthy, but they're very sweet. So um, she often screams for beets if she knows that they have them. So that, okay, so there you go. This is Top Chef Judge Baby. She eats everything, basically. <laughs> everything really healthy does. and nutritious. Well, that's amazing. So far. So far. So good. Well, Gail, you eggs know. Eggs as well. She asks for eggs a lot. And mushrooms. Her favorite food is mushrooms right now. Oh, yeah. My 18-month-old, too. Mushrooms. I don't know what it is so with funny. mushrooms and kids. I thought I hated mushrooms when I was little. Was little. That was such a... To me, uh, an adult food, it has such an earthy sort of dirt flavor that I didn't understand. My daughter loves mushrooms. She's always screaming, Ashoom, Ashoom. Ashoom. That should be demanding. the name of your next. You should make a cookbook yeah. for, for mommies everywhere. Right. I might. I might. <laughs> well, speaking of. Being, huh? 
I mean, you are one incredible lady. And not only that, I mean, I've talked to, I've had the pleasure now to talk to a lot of people that you know, like some really incredible chefs like Nina and Shirley mm-hmm. and May and Melissa and and Brian Husky recently. And we've had a whole bunch of other great folks coming along. And everyone says, every time I say, oh, goodness, I'm so excited. We've got Gail coming on the show. Deck. Everyone says, oh, I love Gail. Everybody loves you, Gail. Wow. That's very nice. Um <laughs> I'm sure we can find lots of people who don't, but <laughs> I will say, as far as Top Chef contestants are concerned, I have so much admiration for them. They work so hard, and they're so good at what they do, and I think that what you see on the show is so much harder than it looks, mm-hmm. and it looks pretty hard to begin with. It does. Um, that I, I really have a lot of empathy for them, and when they're on the show with me, no matter who they are, I really try to be constructive in my dealings with them, in mm-hmm. my judgments, and in my criticism of them. Mm-hmm. You're fair. Uh, because I think, yeah, well, I try to be fair, not just for them, one for them, because I really admire how hard they work, and even if the dish isn't perfect, and it's my job to critique it, I don't think there's any point in berating people for their food. That doesn't do anyone any good. It's about being constructive in your criticism so that they can learn how to not do it the next time or do it better or improve. Mm-hmm. And the other part to that is that I think my play from the show over the last 13 seasons and three spin-offs has really been to be the translator for the audience. You know, yes, if I would Padma, agree. If Padma is, you know, if Padma is the host of the dinner party mm-hmm. and, the, and the diner sort of the, like, enthusiastic diner, and Tom is the chef chef, you know, he's the chefy chef that gets down and technical with our chef. I am the translator. Yes. The, I'm sort of the, the litigator. So I'm the one who translates all that chefy language for the for the viewer and for the audience, for the consumer who would be eating mm-hmm. and for the diner to, to help them understand the process that the chef goes through to get the raw ingredients to the dish that's in front of us. And so we all become the cheap buzz for the viewers. And I think that that's a really important job, and there's no other way to do it productively than to sort of, you know, uh, be really sensitive to the work that the chefs do and explain it in a way that everyone can understand. So I try to do that, and I think the chefs overall will appreciate that. They do, and the the viewer watching it appreciates it too. I mean, it's it's not surprising to me that you were named like the number one reality TV judge in America ah, by the New York ah, Post. You know, by, by one person anyway, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> by the New York Post, that's right. That was a, that was a great honor. That kind of proved to me that I was on the right track. You know, you sometimes wonder if anyone's paying attention, and that came out of nowhere. I had no idea. They were really. Well, I would yeah. agree. I think you really, you're like, you're the one who explains the food to us. And I, when I read your bio, I was just so impressed. I mean, you you worked with a food critic, Jeffrey Steingarten, for, and assisted for two years at Vogue. And then, you were special, and then you were special events manager. I mean, you've moved all over. You've been with Food and Wine magazine as well. Um, I still am. That's right. I worked, I worked uh, for Daniel Blue for three years. Mm-hmm. special events and marketing and PR, and then I went to Food Wine about 11 years ago. And I've done a bunch of different things for Food Wine, but I'm still with them, and they're still my my home. And, um, you know, from Food Wine, I started doing Top Chef, and so it's all kind of big 
connected family, and uh, and I've been very lucky to have amazing mentors along the way, starting with Jeffrey and then Danielle Ballou to my, my publisher and editor-in-chief at Food & Wine, Christina Gertovich and Dave Challen, mm-hmm. up to Tom Felicchio, you know, Tom and Hugh Atchison and Eric Repair and all the amazing judges, um, Andrew Zimmer, you know, the people who come on our show and, and help me learn more about food. They've all been great mentors to me as well. Emerald Lagasse, Wolfgang Clark, these guys are the ones who really, you know, opened their their vast, knowledgeable minds to me and, and let me pick their brains and I collect them on the call. I've been very lucky to um, work with people that I've created. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what people love when they watch you. Because not just you, but like the people that you've, you've referenced, it just seems like in the chef community, there's that kind of, there's there's a lot of love there. Like people are really there to hone their craft, but there's a lot of people who are really open to sharing their craft with others. Would you say that to be well, the case? Well, I think if you become a chef, mm-hmm. like, like any job in the world, it's very competitive and you have to work really hard and it can be very cutthroat and you can lose your way. Mm-hmm. But overall, if you become a chef in the first place, I have to believe that the reason you became a chef at the very beginning is because you wanted to see people, because of the act of generosity of wanting to nourish and feed people. Mm-hmm. And if that is the reason you're a chef, then by nature you have to be a pretty generous person. Mm-hmm. And, um, you're a giver. And understand that you're a giver, right, and that you want to help the world, keep the world, make the world a happier place. And mm-hmm. so... Um, most chefs really believe in their community and and are really close with their fellow chefs and the people who work for them and the people who are their peers because it is a really close community. And at the heart of it, it's just about hospitality. So mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, whose recipe is what and who won which award. It's really about making people happy. Mm-hmm. So is- most, most chefs I work with are pretty darn generous. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, until I, I before we got on the air here, I had shared with you that Shirley Chung and I are, are very, very good friends. We're like the best of friends. Yeah. And what I didn't realize until I met Shirley on such a, a close level is that she told me something that resonates. She says, Winnie, you know, when when we cook something and we put it in front of you, you enjoy it for, let's say, the minutes that you do. But for us, it's our heart on that plate. And we hope that it makes you happy. And I guess it made me think and look at food so differently. And, Absolutely. you know, and I think that a lot of times we go to restaurants and we sit down and we order. And, you know, you've read the different reviews. on this. I mean, I know you, you've had a lot of experience as a food critic, but you're a lot more fair than some of these online reviews are about certain restaurants. And to me, I think the story needs to be told or we need to learn that, you know, how much these chefs care about that plate of food. And of course, there'll be days that you're off because everybody's off. But nonetheless, they work really hard hours in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, Gail, we could talk about that. You know, I found it, I read an interesting statistic that we had referenced in the beginning of the show that although, obviously, when we start off, a lot of our moms cooked in the kitchen, and I read that your mom obviously was an influence on you growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. And was she your first, maybe, cooking teacher? Oh, for sure. My mother was actually a professional cooking teacher. 
and um, and taught cooking classes in our home. So when I was little, she would keep these cooking classes in the evening in our kitchen, and I would come down and sit on stairs and watch her teaching, you know, groups of 10 or 15 women or men uh, how to cook. So it absolutely was a, a big part of my life. She was a huge part yeah, and I know your dad did a little bit with pink applesauce and sour pickles. <laughs> he did. He, my dad my dad was never a cook, but he makes like three or four things really, really well. Um, <laughs> one of which is um, applesauce. He also <laughs> makes amazing pickles. He makes wine. He used to make wine and beer, and he makes... Um, used to make us cream of wheat on the weekend. Those were like the extent. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, let me ask you this. You know, um, obviously, that a lot of women cooked in the homes, but, you know, uh, there aren't as many executive chefs that are female or sous chefs. So, I mean, obviously, we know they're extremely talented because we've seen a lot of them on the show, but maybe there are reasons why um, or... or you know, like just like my own industry, I'm in the finance industry, and there's very few women. But I think it's because, um, by the nature, it's always been that way. But things are starting to change. But why? Hmm? What, what, I don't actually think that there's probably not much of a difference in reason. So why do you think in finance there are so few women? I know I'm turning the table, mm-hmm. but I think we'll get our answer. Sure. Well, I think you know, for a lot of reasons. In my industry, interesting enough, there's there's no such thing as maternity leave. And I'm guessing for a chef, that's mm-hmm. probably the case as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's always been kind of a man's world, I think. It's been more popular. Um, and so a lot of times, like, growing up as as a as a female growing up and going through school, it wasn't something that was top of mind uh, to do as a career. And um, I know, I mean, I would say one difference is unlike a chef, I'm not on my feet all day long. Um, but mm-hmm. I, but you know, you're probably the biggest thing is also just balance of life, right? We choose to have families. I have three kids under the age of six. Not the easiest thing to do, and I imagine even more difficult if you're a chef. You know, I think you touched on it, and, and when people people ask me this question a lot, why are there so few women in kitchen? They are waiting to hear this big secret, mm-hmm. um, and that it's this. They're confounded by it. But what I always say is it's the same reason there are so few women partners in major law firms, mm-hmm. so few women partners and, and, you know, high positions at banks and mm-hmm. in finance. The majority are still men. That's not to say there aren't women, but the majority are still men. And it's the same reason that there aren't that many female plumbers, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying because it's traditionally a man's world, only gives you a piece of the puzzle. There's a reason it's usually a man's world, and I think it's a very complicated issue brought with a lot of, uh, you know, complicated issues, you know, complicated layers to it. And it's right, I agree. Cut and try. However, I will tell you that um, a lot of it's biological, and a lot of it really has a lot more to do with simple biology than some sort of conspiracy by men against women. <laughs> um, I think that at the base of it, the truth is that women have only been in the workforce in earnest 
let's say, for under 200 years. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, really in high positions, in managerial right. positions in the workforce, mm-hmm. uh, in, in non-traditionally women's jobs and mm-hmm. roles. Um, it's, women working full-time out of the house is, in the history of humankind, a relatively new construct. And the reason is biological, because the truth is that in a kitchen, to become a chef, it takes many years to become a chef. Now, when I say the word chef, I don't mean the word cook. There's a difference, right. as you explained at the beginning. A chef to me, the word chef is the French word for boss. Mm-hmm. So to be a chef means to be the boss of a kitchen, to be leading a kitchen, to be leading a team, to be at the top of your game in the highest position in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And to, to become a chef takes years. The same way to become the partner of a hedge fund or the partner at a law firm takes years. So let's say you start after college when you're 21, mm-hmm. right? Right. The average, I think, I think to really know your craft, to go through culinary school, start as an apprentice, and work your way up to the kitchen, it takes about eight to ten years. Right. So you're 21 or 22 when you start, and when you get to that point of really, really um, hitting your stride as a real chef, owning a restaurant or being a partner in a restaurant, really being the head of a kitchen in a, in a restaurant, now it's 10 years later and you're 31 and 32. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens in your 30s as a female? Like us. You it's need time to make to, a, we have to make, make a decision. decision. Right. Yeah. Are we going to have we have to make a decisions. family? And these, again, are not, these are not political decisions. These are right. biological decisions I'm talking about. Exactly. And I don't want to be crass, but until we figure out a way where men can birth babies and nurse babies, which biologically is not possible, mm-hmm. we will have to carry the bulk of that physical burden. Yes. That's just the way... It's just life. Mm-hmm. And you it's have life. to make a and decision. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's a an blessing and a gift. That's right. It's a gift, but it comes with, um, it just comes with a set of circumstances that men don't need to consider. Mm-hmm. So that, and being pregnant and having small children when you work in the kitchen, the other piece of working in a kitchen, which is a little different than other jobs, is that chefs work when everyone else is playing. Chefs work evenings, weekends, and holidays. So to be the chef of a kitchen and work all of your evenings, weekends, and holidays and have and decide you want to have a family, I'm not saying it's impossible because I'm doing it and and I'm not a chef, but I know plenty of chefs who are women who are doing it, but it becomes definitely more difficult. Right. And to sustain that and then become what's more to become a celebrity chef, meaning it's a term I hate, but meaning an empire builder. Right. A chef who then takes on second restaurant, third restaurant, a line of product, goes on television. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're traveling all of a sudden. You're away even more than you would be. And you're still running your restaurant, managing your staff, reporting yep, to your social partners media. and investors. Yeah, all this stuff. Exactly. You become you know, a complete this, corporation. This, 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 right. And, and that's not to say it's not possible and lots of women do it. But that's the reason that less women are physically able to do it than men today. And this is simple as that. I mean, there are so many great talents in the world, men and and women alike. In the culinary world, I see it all the time. But I also know that it is a very physically demanding career mm-hmm. and one that takes you out of your house when if you want to have a family, 
you need to be there. Right. So it's it's a difficult uh, it's a different difficult conundrum for women. Right. It's something you really Enough. really have to want. And I think the solution is a lot like in my industry where I had to make a decision at some point to bring on a partner. And in my case, a male partner who didn't have kids yet, didn't have a wife yet. So he could um, take care of things while I took care of my kids so that I would have something to come back with. And so maybe that is the solution. Maybe their own form. And if they really want it, they'll figure out a way to do it. Whatever, if, if you want it badly enough, you'll absolutely figure out any way to do it. There's no question. Yes. I'm not saying you can't do it because you should do it and you, if you can do it, but it doesn't make it easy. And not everyone has the luxury of a partner who can support them and right. who can trade with them and be flexible with them mm-hmm. or be a partner to them in the finances of um know, of the expense as well. And what these days it's very rare that to have the luxury of a single income family. Most families are double income. Absolutely. Or agree. dual income. They just mm-hmm. have to be. But one of those people, at least whether they alternate or however they figure that one of those people has to be home to, to put the kids to bed right. and, or home to get the kids to school in the morning or they have to be um uh, affluent enough to have to pay someone else to do it, which is a whole other complicated issue. So, so it's just, it, you know, it's the truth of making it financially viable um, in, in, a, in a situation as you age if, if you choose to have a family. Yeah. It's just a very practical way to look at it. I mean, that's it, it, yeah. it's nothing else magical. It is just what it is. And that's really the reason why the numbers are the well, way they are. Exactly. I used to get very frustrated because when I was a young cook working on the line, I, I thought to myself, well, I can conquer this. I don't care that I'm a woman. I don't. I want to be treated just like anyone, and I don't want men to treat me differently because I'm a woman, and that doesn't need to be the norm, and I want to break through that glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. But now I don't get angry about it because... I don't look at it as up against them. And I think if you speak to most female chefs, my experience is when you speak to most female chefs about being a female chef, they don't want you to call them a female chef. Yes. They want you to call them a chef. Chef. I'm right. a chef. I don't want to be pigeonholed as a Right. I'm an equal. And I'm going to just do the best I can with the circumstances I've given. And I am mentally capable and physically capable of doing just as good a job. And I will cross the bridges that come to me as they come to me and make those decisions as they come. So, you know, I don't get angry anymore at men for being men in a world of men mm-hmm. when there are a few women. But right. that doesn't mean I'm not going to also spend as much time as I can building up and cheerleading and championing young, championing young women in the industry because I think that's really important too because the more women that are able to do it, the more we will... Find a way to um, make it work. Open the gateway and find, yeah. find a way to make it work, exactly, and help each other and, and promote each other and think of creative ways to, to bring success to women. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is that I think we've already done that, that these days being in the food world as a woman doesn't mean being just a chef. There, right. are, there are so many opportunities for women to be in the food industry in other capacities so that they can make their own uh, careers and be successful without having to live that traditional chef life. And you're a perfect example of this. I mean, you found your way. 
Absolutely. You know, you found your own path. Um, yeah, and we all do. That doesn't mean that it's easy, and I still grapple with my travel schedule and my uh, being away from my daughter, and we all do. But that's just hard being a parent, I think, no matter what. And don't think that men don't struggle with it either. I want to make that clear. My husband my is husband not too. in the food world, <laughs> but, you know, every father struggles emotionally with having to leave every morning and come Thank back you. at night and visiting all those wonderful moments that you wish you could spend with your child. But you also need to make sure your child has something to eat and a place to sleep and can maybe <laughs> go to college and all of those things. So yeah, all those everyone things. has to work. Exactly. And the great thing is, you know, I just read a statistic recently, a study just came out recently that um, kids of mothers that work actually, Mm -hmm. in in a lot of ways, are much more successful um, than those who have mothers who stay at home. Not to say, I mean, I think women that stay at home are amazing, but it just makes those of us who are out on the grind not feel so guilty. (laughs) Yeah, no, my husband just sent me that article too, and I think there's, I think any way, as soon as I became a mother, I realized any way that you get through the day and make your kids happy and healthy works. And if that is, if you can figure it out to stay home and be with them, amazing. But most people, if they have to work like I do, and I choose to work because I love what I do and it is financially important to my family, Mm -hmm. um, that like I'm going to just do everything I can in my work to, you know, make the other time, the quality time I have with the child, you know, as focused and, and important as it can be. Absolutely. Well, Gail, what do you have up in, what are we, what can we look forward from you going forward? What's up in the horizon? Um, so much. Let's see. I am just, we just wrapped the bulk of season 13 of Top Chef, which was filmed in California. Amazing. Um, all, all over California. We're really excited about the season. It will air in the fall. And we went to five different cities all over California. We started in the south. You know, we went to L.A., San Diego, Palm Springs, Santa oh, Barbara, wow. all the way up to San Francisco and Oakland. Oh, can't we wait really to see are that. sort of driving the PCH on a California road trip, and it was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's where um, I, that's where we're, you're calling in to us today. We're right close to PCH. Right, I, I awesome. saw that. I saw that, that phone number. Um, so that's exciting. And so I'm really looking forward to that airing, seeing what people think of our new crop of great chefs. Yeah. And then um, I have a lot of other projects in the work with Food Wine Magazine, constantly doing events and, um, and, and cooking projects for them. I have a, a cookbook I'm working on, my first real cookbook that will be all mine. Oh, wow. Um, so I'll keep you posted on that. You know, I did a book a couple years ago, which was more of a memoir with some recipes mm-hmm. about my story, mm-hmm. how I came to have the job that I have in a very unconventional uh, career path, mm-hmm. and that was called Talking With My Mouth Full, and so I'm <laughs> going to do sort of a follow-up to that, which are all the recipes I've learned in the last, you know, 20 to 40 years of, of eating and drinking and the amazing chefs I've cooked with and the places I've been able to travel both with Top Chef and on my own and with my family and the experiences I've taken back from oh, those wow. places to my own kitchen and adapted them for the home cooks. Oh, um, incredible. So that is sort of exciting, too. Um, so that will be, you know, that's, that's a sort of long project, but uh, I'm excited about working on it right now. Um, and then, you know, I have a bunch of other sort of TV projects in the works 
that I'm excited about. And I have, um, for the first time, I was born in Toronto, Canada, mm-hmm. and Food and Wine is actually partnering with Toronto on a big food festival this fall. And I'm going to be going up to my hometown, kind of going back to my hometown to work on the food festival and be part of the food festival. Oh, how um, fun. My old boss, Danielle Ballou, is going to be there because he has an amazing restaurant in Toronto and a bunch of other great chefs that I've known for many years. So I'm excited to be able to finally... I've, I've worked in Canada since I left. Uh, I've done some TV there, but it'll be really fun to be doing an event there that my friends and family come to. Well, amazing. Well, let's do this. Let me ask you this. So so for those of us who want to kind of keep in touch with you and keep in track of all your future projects, what's the best way through social media? What are some of the, the channels that you're most active on? Um, so I'm definitely always on Instagram. My Instagram is Gail Simmons Eat, all one word. Okay. At Gail Simmons Eat. I'm always on Twitter, at Gail Simmons, one word. And of course, um, I'm in the middle of revamping my whole website, uh, but it's still there, and you can keep checking back, and my events and appearances are always going to be listed there, and that's just gailsimmons.com. It's oh. pretty easy to find me. Perfect, perfect. And with that note, you can follow me as well at uh, Sun Group. WP and the website's winniesun.com and we'll make sure to list all the gales and handles on the the renegademillionaireshow.com website as well so you can definitely uh, look there and we'll make sure to to update everybody as this show goes live and we'll continue and follow up with Gail. Gail if it's okay we'll come back to you probably in a uh, six or seven months and especially when the the cookbook's about to come out we'd love to uh, talk to you about that and find out some secret favorites in that book. That sounds great. Okay. I would absolutely love to talk to you again. Wonderful, you. wonderful. And thank you so much for your time, Gail. And um, we can't wait to finally meet you in person. So next time I'm in New York, I will definitely reach out to you. But with that, um, we will definitely tune into the show. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Take care.